going to finish my series this morning that I started a few weeks ago talking about uh, 2016. I attended Trinity Fellowship at the beginning of the year. They had a series of services called Zion, and uh, one of their speakers there was Chuck Pierce. He has a prophetic ministry, and he shared some things out of the Scripture about some things that God is doing in 2016, and so I'm going to finish that up this morning. I wanted to remind you just briefly what I talked about last week. Uh, He said that uh, this year is a building year. Now, that can mean building physically, but I think even more than that, it's God wanting to build some things in your life. And so you think about what God wants to build in your life in 2016. Does he, do you need peace? Do you need help with your finances? Does he need to build strength in your marriage? Does he need to build relationships with, with your children? God is doing something this year, and he's building some things in you. And I would encourage you to go to God and say, God, what, what are you doing in me this year? What do you want to build in me? So he talked about that. The second thing I talked about, was that God wants to move you into a place of supernatural giving. Now, I know giving can be a, it's always a touchy subject. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, you don't don't have enough money. But listen, you get involved with God financially and you give into what God is doing and God will bless you. God will take care of you. One of the things I said last week was stop thinking how much of my money am I going to give to God and start asking yourself how much of God's money am I going to keep? You see, that's a shift. What that is, is it's stewardship. Listen, you belong to God, okay? You were created by God. Jesus shed his blood for you. You belong to God. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Listen, we we don't own anything. Ownership is such a fallacy, okay? Uh, You don't own anything. And, uh, you know, basically God's loaned it to us. So get in a supernatural flow. God, where do you want me to give? God, how do you want me to give? God, what do you want me to do? And I can tell you that God will take care of you. The next thing we talked about was to pray over your bloodline. Your bloodline is your family. Can I just encourage you this morning? Man, be praying over your family. Uh, Make a list. Get you a piece of paper and write down your family. Write down their names, uh, however large or small your family is, and lift them up in prayer and pray over them. I said to you last week that our bloodline has been polluted, and it's been polluted because of sin. But we're in a new bloodline when we make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. But pray over your family. Pray over your loved ones. Lift them up in prayer and pray that God's grace is on them. God's strength is on them. And in 2016, that God's having his way in their lives. Amen? Then the last thing I talked about last week was uh, just don't go to church, all right? And I'm so grateful that you're here this morning. Listen, so many Christians don't go to church. They stay home for whatever reason, and we're not picking on anybody that stays home, but you're already in that top 25 or 30% of Christians because you're at church. You made the decision to get up and come this morning, so you're already in that top group of overachievers. Now, since you're here, you might as well just go ahead and take the next step, right? What's the next step? Well, show up with your expector on show up wanting something okay benjamin franklin said one time he that expects nothing will not be disappointed so don't just show up right don't just show up and sit don't just show up and watch man show up and sing the songs and worship god and enter in and give in the offering and you know maybe go by and get you a dollar notebook and and write something down it's not so much what i say but what's God saying to you? you know, grab your notebook and, man, write down what God has spoken to you and, and learn to be a note taker. And then you can take that home with you during the week and look at it. So say, when you show up here, man, God, I need something from you. I want you to move in my life. That's what I talked about last week. Now, this morning, the next thing I want to show you, I'm going to read to you out of 1 Timothy chapter 2. And here's what God said, that it's a new season of leaders. 
a new season of leaders. Let me just go ahead and read you the verse, and then I want to share some things with you. It says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Verse 2, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceable, quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Now, what do those verses say? Well, we don't have a king, and I know that. But what it's talking about is that we're praying for those that are in authority. Now, that can go all the way up to the national government, to the White House. But just for this morning, I'd like to focus in a little bit just on our local area, on our domain, if you will. God spoke to me this year about six months ago, and he said, I want you to begin to pray over Tulia and over Swisher County that I'll raise up a new generation of leaders. A new generation of leaders. Now, Proverbs says that an old man's uh, glory is his white hair. A young man's glory is his strength. What does that mean? Well, as you get older, you get wisdom, hopefully. But when you're young, you have strength. Well, listen, we need strength and we need wisdom. And God began to speak to me. I want you to begin to pray for the next generation. Listen, whatever generation you're in, whatever title has been given to your generation, can I encourage you to pray for the generation behind you. Pray for the generation that's coming up behind you. God wants to raise up a new generation of leaders. Listen, we need a new generation of leaders in church. We need a new generation of leaders in city government and county government. Now, it doesn't mean the people we have are bad because I'm, they're not bad. God's using them, but that God continues to raise up a new generation. Now, for just a moment, let me talk to you about our local leadership here. We have a brand new police chief in town. His name is Stephen Brush, and I went by this week and met him, and he's from Amarillo. We have a relatively new city manager. His name is Dion Miller. We have a, a a relatively new sheriff, Jimmy McCaslin. He was our police chief for many years, but he's relatively new as the sheriff. And then, of course, uh, Harold Keeter is our judge. Do you know in Tulia, it's been a long time since all those positions have been filled. It's been a long time since all those have been filled. I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you, the devil has attacked Tulia many times and in many different ways, and he's attacked those in authority. Listen, it's our responsibility to pray you know what we do so well and so good? We criticize. We criticize and we attack. And if you're not careful, you end up in the devil's camp. And I just want to encourage you. It's, I'm so grateful that we have all these positions filled now. And they need our prayers. They need our supports. Now, let me, let me just go a little further. Of course, Harold Keeter's our judge. And we have four county commissioners. One of those is Harvey Foster. And he attends church here. He, and, and, the other, and many of those other ones are Christians, but Harvey goes to church here. We have a mayor, and we also have four city council members. And Bebo, who comes to the early service, he's on the city council and attends church here. Now, he's not here today because they're in Red River. And they're suffering for Jesus, so don't pray for them, okay? They don't need prayer, all right? Then we have seven school board members, and one of those who attends church here is Steve Pond. Also within our church, uh, we have Dennis Harkins. He thumps on the base right here. Y'all know Dennis. Well, he is a captain in the Plainview Police Department. And then Carol Gerber, many of you know Carol. He attends the early service. He's the Castro County judge. He does the same thing in Castro County that Harold does here. Listen, they need your prayers. Amen? All right, if you know the Keeters, you know they need prayer. Amen? Amen. They're not here to defend themselves, but they would, they would tell you, wouldn't they? Harold would tell you they need prayer. So those folks need prayer. So I just want to encourage you. Now, I know this. Listen, I'm not trying to burden you down, okay? 
You could take all day and pray for all these people by name, and I'm not wanting to do that to you, but here's what I want to encourage you in. What if even once a week you lifted the leadership of this city and this county or the city and county where you live? We have people who come from a wide area. What if you lifted them in prayer once a week and you said, God, I pray your grace, I pray your strength, and I pray your life over our leaders. The Bible says that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. What if you said, devil, get your hands off of our leadership, and we pray your grace that these positions are filled. Something I forgot to mention is we've also, our school board is in the process of hiring a new football coach and a new athletic director, and all of these people need prayer. So God is saying, I'm raising up leadership. I'm raising up a new generation of leaders, and that we're a part of that. We're involved in that. We're encouraged in that, and we're not criticizing. We're not attacking, but we're praying. All right, let me give you the next thing. The next thing he said is something in your past needs to be reconciled so you can move forward. Something in your past needs to be reconciled so you can move forward. Let me read to you out of Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. It says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Let me talk to you for just a minute about your family. The devil loves secrets. The devil loves darkness. The devil loves it when things happen in your family and you sweep it under the rug. The devil loves it when you have skeletons in your closet and it's the big secret and we don't talk about it and we don't bring it up because that's the big family secret. Listen, we all have brokenness in our lives. We all have brokenness in our families. That's why Jesus went to the cross. What am I asking you to do this morning? I'm asking you to make peace with your past, whether it happened to you in elementary school, whether it happened in high school, whether it happened in a past marriage, whether it's happened with kids, whatever you've got going on in your life, that you take it to Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. Something in your past needs to be reconciled so you can move forward. You know what happens in our families? Well, we have brokenness. We have hurt. We have things happen to us, and we hide it. We put it away. We pretend it didn't happen, but then you know what happens to you? You get stuck. Okay, you get stuck, and then your family can't move on, and you're stuck in a place because of the things that have happened to you in your past. I want to encourage you to do whatever you need to do. Now, let me give you some practical advice. If you can go, if there's something going on in your family and you can go to a person and you can reconcile and make it right, I would encourage you to do so. Unless there's two reasons why you can't. Number one, that person may be passed away. They may not even be here anymore. All right? And the second reason is it may do more harm than good for you to go to that person. So if you can't go to that person because they're deceased or you can't go to that person because uh, it would do more harm than good, what do you do? You take it to Jesus. And you lift your family to Jesus and you repent. You repent for what's happened. You repent for what's been done in your life. You reconcile it in your own heart and you give it to God. Listen to what the verse says. Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Listen, you may say, Pastor, it's impossible. It's impossible, Pastor. They're dead or it'll never be straightened out. It'll never be reconciled. That's just who we are. God says this, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer is no, there's not anything too hard for God. So what does he want you to do? He wants to reconcile something in your past so that you can move forward. Listen, in 2016, God has good things for you. And you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to move forward. And the way you move forward is you don't leave your skeletons in the closet. You don't keep secrets. You don't hide things. When I was growing up, 
One of the big secrets in my family was that my mother had been married before my father, before she met my father. Well, that was a big secret in my family. I didn't know it. Well, my grandmother's like me. Her brain is always about five minutes behind her mouth. Okay? That's the way I am. And she decided when we got older that it was time for us to know that. Well, if you know anything about my grandmother, she didn't consult with anybody. She just thought she should share that happy news. And so to the chagrin of my mother, she shared that happy news that my, that my mom had been married before. Now, I only had one question. And the question was, well, who's my father? And my mom said, well, you know, my dad, which was Harold Gray, who she was married to, he's your father. Well, okay. I mean, I, I didn't think any less of my mother. I, I mean, I didn't care if she'd been married three times before. I mean, it was before me, and that, and that didn't matter. Once I knew who my father was, that's all that mattered to me. But in my family, that was one of our secrets. Now, that may be child's play to some of the stuff maybe in your family. But the thing is, take it to God. God, would you reconcile the impossible? God, would you do what you need to do, whatever that looks like for you? Why? So you as a family can move forward. Here's the next thing he said, that there's things in your life. Here's what he called it, an iniquity structure. God wants to pull down iniquity structures in your life. Now, I want to read a verse to you, and then I want to share some things with you. Listen to what it says in Numbers 14. This is verse 18 out of New King James. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty. Stop right there. Everybody look at me. All right, this verse is in the, New, excuse me, in the Old Testament, and it is part of the Old Covenant. Listen, you and I live in the New Covenant. What does that mean? Well, that means just what that verse says, that you and I have received mercy, we've received forgiveness for our iniquity and transgression, and we are by no means guilty because of the blood of Jesus. Are you following me? So I'm not trying to put on you this morning, oh my gosh, the stuff I've done, I'm still held guilty for it. You're not because Jesus has already paid for it. But listen to the next sentence. It says, by no means does he clear the guilty. We've been cleared. He visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Let me talk to you. Chuck Pierce said that God wants to pull down structures of iniquity in our life. All right, what's an iniquity? An iniquity is anything you do contrary to the word of God. Anything you choose to do contrary to God's word becomes an iniquity in your life. Listen to me. God does not pass it to your children, you do. Let me tell you a story in the Old Testament. You know the story where the children of Israel went into bondage, they went into Babylon, and they were enslaved to Babylon for 70 years. Why were they there for 70 years? Listen, that's not an arbitrary number. God never does anything accidentally or arbitrarily. Here's what God told Israel. He said, when you farm the land every sixth year, the seventh year, I want you to let the land lay fallow. Don't plant anything and let the land rest. Farm it for six years. The seventh year, let it rest. Well, Israel did not do that. They did not obey God. And they didn't because of the hardness of their hearts, because of their unbelief, and because they didn't believe God could take care of them. So they had to farm that seventh year. Okay. Every seven years, God said, after the first seven years, God said one. After the second seven or 14 years, he said two. After the 21st year, he said three. For 430 years, or 70 years where they were supposed to let the land rest, or Sabbath, they didn't obey God, 
the Babylonians came to Israel and took their children captive and took them into slavery. So every seven years when they wouldn't obey God, they were putting their children into slavery. And any time in that 430 years, they could have stopped and obeyed God, but they would not. And so they put their children into slavery for 70 years. Listen, I want to ask you a question. What are you doing in your family that's putting your children into slavery? That's what an iniquity is. Whatever you do, maybe it's anger, maybe it's rage, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's the silent treatment. The things we do in our life that we know better, we know we shouldn't do, we know what God's Word says, but we're going to do it anyway, you pass it to your children. Now, you can decide at any time to break those off of your life. It's very simple. You repent and you change. I want to ask you two things this morning. I want to talk to you about where do you go for comfort? When things aren't going your way, where do you go for comfort? Maybe you go to food. Maybe you go to video games. Maybe you go to recreation. Maybe you go to hunting. Uh, Maybe you go to television. Maybe you go to movies. Maybe you go to drugs and alcohol. I don't know where you go. Wherever you go to find comfort, when things aren't going your way and you need to feel better, Where do you go? Listen, anywhere you go for comfort outside of Christ brings addiction and consequently iniquity. The Bible says that God wants to restore your soul. It says so in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. Listen to me. You know what's happening to your soul this morning? It's being restored and renewed. When you go to life group, when you go to a meeting, when you read your Bible, when you're driving to work and you pray, when you listen to good Christian music, when you see beauty, those things, you know what they do? They restore your soul. That's what God wants to do. And I've talked to you about this, but instead of restoration, all we want is relief. All right, now listen to me. Relief works, but it's always temporary. Listen, you go home in the afternoon and you have a few drinks, and it does bring relief but it doesn't last very long. Listen, you go home and get the chocolate ice cream out, and all I do is take the lid off. I don't even get a bowl. I I don't even get a bowl. I don't need a bowl. And my intentions are always good. I'm only going to eat a little. Isn't it crazy that I would get the ice cream without a bowl? What kind of crazy person does that, right? And see, we watch TV in different rooms, and so she doesn't know it. And so I can sneak into the kitchen and be quiet. And she doesn't know that I'm sneaking into the other room with the ice cream. Now, listen, I'm not against eating ice cream. But whatever you indulge in, does that make sense to you? All right, maybe it's movies. Maybe it's ice cream. I'm not saying these things are bad. But we go there wanting some relief. We go there just wanting the pressure to be taken off. And it does work. But just for a little bit. And then you've got to go right back to it. Now listen, I know you know it. Sin is progressive. What does that mean? Well, you know the old saying. You've heard it since you were a child. Give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile. That's how sin always works. It's progressive. Listen, it takes a lot of work to follow the devil. It takes a lot of work to go to those places over and over and over. And you know it too. The more you do it, the less relief there is. Isn't it true? You know it. 
The first time you did it, it was amazing. The 50th time you do it, it's not quite as good anymore. Listen, God wants to restore you. It's lasting. The greatest gift there is is peace. And you know how you get it? You get it by being with Jesus. You get it by coming here. You get it by reading your Bible. You get it by as you get in your car, you talk to God. Just like he would talk to anybody else. And he wants to bring relief. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to pull down those iniquities, those structures off your life. Let me read a verse to you. I want to read Numbers 14, 18. I'm sorry, I already read that verse. I want to go down to, one, I want to, go down to Jeremiah 23, 29. It says, Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Listen, can I just encourage you? The first place you should turn instead of the last place you should turn is to Jesus. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've built in your life. It doesn't matter what your grandparents did. Listen, my grandfather was famous for when you did him wrong. Man, he held it against you for life. Okay, I've got got all those stories in my family, right? Okay, my great-grandfather got saved on his deathbed, literally. And he wept bitter tears, and he told his family, I wish I had surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, but he never did. Now, he's in heaven right now because of the grace of God and because of what Jesus did on the cross. But sadly, he passed his iniquities to his children and his children's children. Let me tell you something about my father. My father was raised in a broken home. They were poor, and they had hard times. I never knew any of that in my life. Do you know why? Because my dad said yes to Jesus Christ as his Savior. He and my mother got married. I was born and my brother was born. And he broke those iniquities off of us in one generation. Listen, I never knew poverty. I never knew alcoholism. My father hated it. Hated it. Because he lived it. I never saw drug addiction. I never saw brokenness. You know why? Because my father broke those iniquities off of us in one generation. Listen, it's not too late. What do you do? You repent. Now, you may not know. Listen, I'm not asking you to dig anything up. I'm not asking you to do that. But I am asking you to do this. Go to God and say, God, you know that stuff in my family. You know. You know the stuff in your family, don't you? I don't even have to. We don't have to talk about You know. And you go to God and you say, God, show me, help me, walk me through this. I don't want this passed to my children. I don't want it passed to my grandchildren. Listen, as a pastor, I've had my heart broken hundreds of times by people. I heard Jimmy Evans say that at Trinity when I was in church there this year. He said he's had his heart broken thousands of times. I about jumped out of my chair like lightning hit me. Because that's exact. I know what he means. I felt it. I've had my heart broken hundreds of times by people. Do you know why? Because I love people, because God put that on the inside of me. And you know what breaks my heart? When I watch people destroy themselves and destroy their children. And I've watched hundreds of families come through the doors of this place, want God, hungry for God, something happens, they fall away, and their lives are destroyed. Not because of God, but because of their choices. Listen, it does matter how you live. It sure is matter to your kids. Amen? So listen to what he said. He said, I'm going to break those iniquities off your life. Then the last thing I want to show you this morning is I want you to begin to decree God's promises. Listen to what the word decree means. It's an order issued by someone in authority. An order issued by someone in authority. Now, we've talked about this for the last few weeks, but let me just remind you. You have authority as a New Testament Christian. Listen, you're blood-bought. When Jesus was put on that cross and God raised it and put it in the ground, you know what he did? He rescued you. He ransomed you. He delivered you. 
He set you free by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been saved. And he gave you his authority. You know what the Bible says? All authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus. Now, listen, listen. I know y'all are Texans. All, all authority in heaven, all authority in the earth belongs to Jesus. Anybody that says they have any is an imposter because Jesus has all of it. Now, here's the amazing part. He said, now you go. See, you go. You go what? You go into your marriage. You go into your job. You go into your family. And you take the authority of my name, which has all authority. You take the name of Jesus. And you begin to enforce the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, right? You tell the devil to do what? Stand down. Get off my wife. Get off my kids. Get off my grandkids. Get off my brothers. Get off my sister. Get off my dog. Right? Get off my car. Right? I mean, there was a time in our life we put so much money in our car at the auto repair shop, I felt like I was buying stock in a company. It was a joke in our family. Every time I take my old car there to get it worked on, it's like I'm here to buy some stock. Well, I finally got tired of that. Listen to Well, that's just life. Are you out of ah! No, it's not. Tell the devil to stand down. And get off your life and begin to decree. What does that mean? It means to say something like you got some authority. Begin to decree God's promises in your life. Let me read you the verse one more time. Is not my word like fire? Is it not like a hammer that breaks the rocks? Listen, there's nothing that the devil can build in your life that God's word can't smash it to bits. There's no ground the devil can take in your life that God's word won't smash it to bits and give you back what belongs to you and to get it away from darkness. Listen, you're not guilty because the blood of Jesus has redeemed you and has delivered you and set you free. Begin to say, begin to decree the promises of God. You see, that's why we memorize verses in Power Kids. Right? That's why I start my day with fear not for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. Now, this is my father. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know what the Bible says? Nothing can pluck me out of my father's hand. Nothing. He's a warrior. He's the God of angel armies who rides on the clouds. Nothing can separate me from the love of my father. Find out the promises of God and begin to decree. And we don't do it for two reasons. Number one, we don't think we have a right to. Because of what you've done, right? You try to stand up and talk the promises of God. You know what the devil says? I know what you did. You've heard that old saying, right? When the devil tries to remind you of your past, you remind him of his future. You know where his future is, right? You know what the Bible says in Isaiah? That we'll look at the devil and say, that's who deceived the nations? That's him? That's who deceived the nations? Yeah. That's what we'll say. Begin to decree God's promises. Begin to stand your ground. Draw a little line in the dirt and stand there and say, devil, get off my life. Your iniquities are broken in my life. They're pulled down in my life. And my children and my household after me are blessed. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray. Father God, I love you this morning, and I'm so thankful that you've provided a way for us to have the life we've dreamed of, to have peace, to have hope, to have joy. Father, my heart is is that every person that took time to be here this morning, that they're strengthened and they're encouraged. 
Father, would you show us how to do this? Would you show us how to pull down iniquities? Would you show us how to change mistakes we've made? Would you show us how to make things right in our lives and to follow the path of life and light instead of darkness? Father God, encourage us and have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, I love you. You guys go and be blessed, and you have a wonderful day.